Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Shore to Sky Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Schuster, and we'll be covering some very interesting topics today. For those of you who listened to the first episode and are joining us again, I want to give you a special thanks. And for those of you who visited the website, shore2skylearning.com, that's S-H-O-R-E-T-O-S-K-Y, Shore to Sky, Learning, L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com. Thanks for doing so as well. Today's show will highlight recent articles from the website concerning motivation, business, and health. While finance is a major part of Shore to Sky Learning's core, I won't necessarily be covering all four Shore to Sky Learning categories in every podcast, but I will say that we do have some extremely useful finance topics coming up in the third episode. Anyways, today's agenda includes in the business category an overview of Ohio State football coach Urban Meyer's leadership philosophy. Regardless of what your football opinions are, or what you think of Urban as a person, his book does cover some top-notch leadership concepts that it would be a shame to not cover. Next up, we'll be discussing how Greek life in college could play a role in defining the future of the country's education system. This article does come from my personal experience as the president of my fraternity, Delta Upsilon, at Ohio State. I also served as the VP of Finance, Fundraising Chair, and Brotherhood Chair while there. After this... We'll be moving into our health category, where we will be highlighting the importance of mental health and why you need to make sure you put yourself first before anything else in your life. And for our third and last category, motivation, we have two very interesting articles. The first discusses the importance of why you should learn to forgive rather than focus on revenge. And the second subject, a more lighthearted one, is about the one amazing thing in the world that everyone can relate to, and that is a good story. One last thing before we get started today, I wanted to note that for those of you listening, you can find the transcript for our first episode and this one on the shore2skylearning.com website. The reason I do release these topics in both article and audio form is because I realize that different people have different learning preferences, and I want to make sure that I can accommodate for all readers and listeners so that nobody is left out. I also think it's worth mentioning that future podcasts will cover different subjects rather than solely following along with the website's blog content. Primarily, those podcast episodes will take place in interview form, where I interview recent college grads and young professionals about the challenges that they face in society so that I can use their challenges and their problems that they're looking to solve to create the right content for everybody else who's listening. Now, with that said, let's dive into our first article. As I mentioned earlier, our first topic of the day will discuss a peek into Urban Meyer's leadership philosophy. Whether you're a Buckeye fan or not, you can't deny Urban Meyer's dominance as one of the greatest football coaches in at least recent history. He's won three national championships in the past decade and has proved that he knows how to build a winning system. Let's dissect the surface of it. Urban Meyer discusses his winning system in his book Above the Line. The title Above the Line itself refers to living a life of appropriate responses to the events that we encounter every day or in stressful situations. Conversely, acting, quote-unquote, below the line refers to poor behavior and responses to life's events. I think the first truly impactful line of the book is when he calls accountability honesty's first cousin. Honesty is hard to find today. I think this is because too many people interpret honesty as only telling the truth to others, when in reality, it also includes being true to yourself. 
According to Meyer, you can only push people to the point of trust that they have with you. And because the goal of leadership is to help others change and grow, every leader's foundation needs to be trust. So when people don't trust each other, things don't get done and excuses get made. Urban calls this type of behavior a BCD type of behavior. The acronym itself stands for blame, complain, and defend. When people blame others for their failures, complain about their circumstances, or defend their poor actions, they're living below the line and not taking action for their responsibilities. According to Meyer, you can train your brain to act above the line, which entails making your responses to life's events both natural and respectable. In a world dominated by social media, it's easy to get distracted and hard to find people concentrated on their success and taking responsibility for their actions. According to Urban, his behavior at the University of Florida was, in fact, below the line. He was distracted and had poor habits, and sure, he was successful, but it was at a very big cost to his health. Steve Jobs was also successful, but in his biography, he attributes his fate to cancer to overworking himself and running both Apple and Pixar at the same time. I'd like to discuss more of Urban's leadership philosophy, but there's just so much in the book that I really decided to only focus on it at a tip of the iceberg level. The rest of the book is packed with fantastic advice on leadership that you can implement as a teacher, a coach, or in your own life. Once again, the book is Above the Line, and the author of that book is Wayne Kofi. And just to clarify, I am not paid to promote uh, this or anything that you guys hear me speak about, at least as of now. I really like this book and would definitely recommend it to anybody in search of creating a systematic approach to leadership. I hope you guys enjoyed that short segment on Urban Meyer's leadership philosophy. And to wrap it up, I just want to challenge you guys to live an above-the-line life. I want you to take a step back and think about all the times in your life where maybe you did have that B, C, or D type behavior. Analyze those situations and think about what you could have done better. And in the future, try to live above the line. Try to control your actions and your thoughts when you're in a stressful situation and respond appropriately. Moving on to our next business topic of the day, what college Greek life can teach the education system. Now, the following discussion is the foundation for a potential book that I was writing in college about how the education system can model itself off of certain aspects of the college Greek life system. This discussion comes from my experience as the president of my fraternity, Delta Upsilon, the VP of Finance, Fundraising Chair, and Brotherhood Chair. So I have a large understanding and a lot of experience in the Greek community and working with a fraternity. Also, I'd love to hear your guys' questions, thoughts, and concerns on this subject after the podcast is out. Thanks, and I'm looking forward to reading all that. Without further ado, let's dive into this topic. Today's educational system is the same as it was 100 years ago. Classes focus on standardized testing so that schools can get more state funding and so that the higher-ups can get a raise. Classes revolve around concrete concepts and have developed a lack of focus on the creative processes that life has to offer. Classes fail to provide students with experiences, but rather tell them to memorize facts. Has anybody on this country's Board of Education system ever taken a basic sales course? It makes me wonder, because the best type of salesman is the one who can tell a good story and ask good questions and listen, just like the best type of teacher is the one who can relate to his or her students. 
The sad truth is that teachers today simply throw facts that they had to memorize in college right back at their students who dream of going to college to memorize more facts rather than gain any sort of experience or practical knowledge. Students today are taught one basic type of education, to memorize facts and get a degree. They don't practice building businesses. So why are we so surprised to hear that 99% of businesses fail within five years of existence? Does all this sound like a conspiracy theory or like I'm some network marketer trying to sell you something? That's not what I'm going for. And if you're a conspiracy theorist, I don't think you'll find this book or potential book helpful. It's not based off of what ifs, but rather why nots. Why not teach our students how to build businesses, gain experience from group projects, or learn about finances? Why not teach them how to exercise and why to exercise rather than just tell them to run a few laps in gym class? Why not teach them how to enter and retain a successful emotional relationship? All the skills taught in this book are ones that the most basic of Greek organizations can and do teach their members, and these principles can and should be taught in the classroom from day one of schooling. I say this not from a narcissistic standpoint. I realize I was very lucky to go to college and join an expensive Greek organization without having to work during college. I was lucky enough, though, to gain an understanding of what a successful organization can do to revolutionize the educational experience. We've often heard how education was once a golden opportunity for people in our country. We've been told that our parents gave up their entire lives and still do today so that their children can afford a better education and future for themselves. But when millions of students graduate each year, we have to start asking ourselves how valuable is the education that we're getting today. Likewise, as a runner, I get praise for running marathons in my free time. But when millions and millions of people are doing that and finishing a marathon every year, I have to ask myself how special I really am. This is a similar question that college grads need to start asking themselves today. How special are you? Even more successful individuals don't just question their success though, because successful people will take a look at their problems and say, how can I make my problem into an advantage? How can I turn the fact that I and everyone else has a degree into an advantage? Too often, that answer turns to graduate school, but there are other options as well. While writing this book isn't one of my priorities at the moment. I do discuss this topic because I hope that one day the education system in this country will reform itself into something that does teach more useful skills to build and run businesses rather than teach students to memorize and repeat facts. Because as Jim Collins mentions in his book, Good to Great, the point of studying successful businesses is not to look at the businesses or organizations in this case themselves but at the duplicatable properties and principles that those organizations possess so that we can replicate those and make more successful businesses like those previously successful ones. So, in my opinion, we need to take a look at what successful Greek organizations are doing and teaching their members because while the stigma for Greek organizations might not be the best right now, they're doing some things right. So why not take a look at those right things and see what we can duplicate and teach our students to help them be more successful. Thanks for listening, and I'm really looking forward to hearing everybody's opinions and thoughts and concerns on this topic. Please get back to me, comment on the podcast feed, send me a message on the website, shortestguylearning.com contact page. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this one. All right, 
So this next topic is debatably the most important thing that I've spoken about on this podcast so far, and it's all about putting yourself first and making sure that you take care of yourself, because we all know that life is busy, and setting goals just, it becomes difficult when work and sleep take up 16 hours of your day, at least of your weekdays, never mind the other obligations that you've got scattered throughout your week, and because of this, it's just easy to feel overwhelmed when you're even trying to start a business on the side, train for a marathon, or lead an organization in your free time. But one thing you need to realize is that you need to make sure that you take care of yourself first before you take care of others. And for me personally, even as an East Coast native, one thing I pride myself on is doing things quickly and efficiently. I like blunt answers and I like to multitask when I can, but slowing down just doesn't come natural to me or many others who are caught up with life. Or we could even call that the rat race. And rat race, quote unquote, isn't really a term that I like to use to describe my life with, but when you can't get yourself to slow down, you have to admit that that's what your life has come to. Conversely, I think that the only way you can say your life technically isn't in the rat race is when you have the ability to allow yourself to slow down. And in my opinion, the only way you can get out of it is when you give yourself the control to think for a moment, make sure you're mentally and physically healthy and appreciative of where you're at in life. The easiest way to slow down for a moment and allow yourself to live the life you want to live starts with realizing you need to put yourself first. I try to think about my mental health on a daily basis and have been telling myself to slow down, uh, as I like to call it, on a pretty much daily basis. The only reason you can't make time for something like this is if you're essentially lying to yourself, in my opinion, because for me, putting myself first means taking care of myself physically and mentally on a daily basis, like I mentioned before. And my belief is that if everyone in the world took the time to do this, the world would just be a much better place. So I originally thought of discussing this topic for two different reasons. The first one was because I listened to a Lewis Howes podcast recently where Lewis describes his ridiculously hectic schedule but also discusses how he's able to sleep for six to eight hours per night, work out, and meditate every single day. The other reason I wanted to discuss this topic is because the one point in my life where I had the most pressure on me, I did a terrible job of putting myself first because... When I was in college and when I was the president of my fraternity, I was also taking 17 to 18 credit hours each of those semesters. I was eating one meal per day, usually Chipotle or Bibibop, which if you hadn't had it, you should definitely look it up because it's great. I stopped working out and I was sleeping as little as three to four hours each night. I started seeing a therapist at one point too who told me that I needed to learn to treat myself well and put myself first, but I didn't listen to him when he told me to start running again, which is one of my favorite things to do, and it helps me relax. But, you know, I ignored his advice, and I trudged through both of those semesters, happy with how I was influencing other people's lives, but unhappy with how I was living my own. Essentially, after listening to Lewis's podcast and hearing how he was able to sleep for so much time every single night and work out and meditate every day, I simply realized that I and everybody else has absolutely no excuse not to treat their self the way that they deserve to be treated. So personally, what did I do? I do now, at least, what I love. 
I go running or to the gym to help improve my physical health. More importantly, if I don't work out, I try to simply get outside and enjoy the outdoors for a quick moment every day. A short walk will even do. I think about what I put into my body when I eat, and I tell myself to quote-unquote chill and appreciate life whenever I feel stressed. Lewis calls these moments or things that we enjoy doing anchors, things that we do on a daily basis to help keep ourselves grounded. Other examples are even as simple as making your bed every morning. Ultimately, putting yourself first is a hard thing to implement, especially when you're working really hard towards a goal or multiple goals that require so much time and effort. Especially, it seems counterintuitive when you're trying to cook yourself a healthy meal or work out when doing so might feel like a waste of time in comparison to what your goal is because maybe your goal isn't to run a marathon but to lead a business. The business isn't directly going to benefit from you consuming healthy foods or benching 200 pounds, but the business will benefit when your improved health gives you a better overall mood and outlook on life and helps you stay calm during stressful work situations. In conclusion, putting yourself first is about the small things. It's about appreciating those moments and at least trying to put yourself first. So what I challenge you guys to do is go out there and implement what Lewis Howes calls his anchors, the small things that you can do every single day, like work out or make your bed or meditate, that help you stay grounded. It's hard, and I know this because I failed at it, but try and your life will be so much fuller because of it. Thanks. And by the way, if you guys would like to find the transcript for that section of the podcast, you can do so by finding it under the health section of the shore2skylearning.com website. But moving on, our next topic of the day will be in the motivation category. And really, this topic is something that I just found really interesting. A friend of mine in college made this comment to me. And when you think about it, it's really interesting because... It's about the one thing in the world that everybody wants and can appreciate, which is a good story. A good story really is one of the few things that everyone in the world can want and appreciate. It can be from a movie, a TV show, a book, or a video game. No matter the source, so much of what we do is based off our yearning to hear a good story. You wake up and maybe the first thing you do is go on Facebook and a short Jake Shetty clip about Liam Neeson starts playing for you. You get inspired by Liam Neeson's strength to endure rejection and trauma, so you decide to get your day started. You start getting ready and turn on the news while you sip your coffee. You enjoy hearing about the three dogs that were heli-lifted out of Florida because of the hurricane to safety. The story makes you smile and think about getting a dog. You leave for work and turn on the radio. The song that's on came out when you were in college, so you start reminiscing about a specific experience it reminds you of. You get to work and hear about your coworkers' weekends, you tell a funny story about yours and get on your way. After work, you come home and tell your wife about your day and start playing a video game because you just need to find out what happens to the main character in the next section of his story. You read a book about a World War II survivor before going to bed, where you then dream of saving the world. I think you guys get the point. When you really think about it, so much of what we do today revolves around storytelling and story listening. What's cool is that really no matter where in the world you live, this concept remains the same. There are millions of stories out there, some more unique than others, but all different. And what's amazing is that we live in a world where we just we have so many different types of storytelling platforms that you can't go wrong with any of them now. 
and it pains me to see people praise reading over playing video games because they think that reading is more educational per se. I mean, maybe if you're reading a biography about Albert Einstein over someone playing Mario Kart, I guess that's true. But just because one person reads Harry Potter and another plays Red Dead Redemption, that doesn't necessarily make the reader more intelligent. Both people are just looking for the same thing, a good story. Because of all the different platforms we have today, and because we all have a unique story, try telling yours. I enjoy writing blog posts and starting this podcast, so I share my thoughts here on the shortestguylearning.com website and with this podcast. But maybe you like talking, so just start a podcast and skip the blog part, because that might suit you best. No matter your choice, pick one and start creating. Somebody out there will appreciate your story and thank you for it. That said, I challenge you guys to pick one type of platform and share your story. Now, this next subject that I'm going to discuss is a bit more of a touchy one. It's about forgiveness. And the reason I want to discuss this topic is because everybody, especially young professionals though and college students and high school students, put themselves in social situations on a daily basis, which is a good thing. But when you're hanging out with the same or different individuals every day, conflict inevitably arises. And this conflict can either be resolved or left unsolved. And when conflict is left unsolved, sometimes bitter feelings emerge between the two parties, which is when each party can consider going their own direction in life, forgiving the other party, or even getting revenge on the opposing party. Sometimes the first option of going a different direction in life really isn't an option, though, because maybe your social circles are intertwined or because you're in the same courses at college or even work together. So you're left with the latter two, forgiveness and cohesiveness with them, or revenge. The way that I see it, there are really two ways that you can look at forgiveness. You can go by the quote of, judge a man by how he treats his enemies, or you can go the route of treating others how they've treated you, which is essentially the revenge route. One of the best books on such a topic is Alexandre Dumas's The Count of Monte Cristo. The book is about a man who's betrayed by his best friends and thrown in prison for an act he didn't commit. As the back of the book states, he miraculously escapes only to spend the rest of the book crafting his dramatic revenge. Without ruining such events, the end of the book does state a really fantastic quote on this subject, which is that there is neither happiness nor unhappiness in this world. There is only a comparison of one state with another. Only a man who has felt ultimate despair is capable of feeling ultimate bliss. It is necessary to have wished for death in order to know how good it is to live. The sum of all human wisdom will be contained in these two words, wait and hope. End quote. This quote tells us that going through hard times makes the good times that much better. When someone wrongs you or hurts you, though, their actions may not be justified, but the lessons you can learn are invaluable. Personally, I tend to get fixated on events that happen in my life. When something good is happening, I get addicted to it. When something bad happens, I can't get the bad feeling or memory out of my head. For example, the first time a girl broke up with me, besides wanting to puke, I asked myself when the first day would arrive that I wouldn't remind myself of such a terrible event. While serving my fraternity, my executive board and I were troubled by a few certain members who kept making our success just harder and harder to come by, and once again, I began to ask myself when a day would naturally come 
where I wouldn't be reminded about the stress that those situations caused me. And so, for a long time, I questioned the value of forgiveness. Because when you need to question when the day will come that you can forget certain stressful events purposely caused to you, forgiveness seems elusive. But as the Count says, the sum of all human wisdom will be contained in these two words, wait and hope. He is right. Because eventually a day will come where you will forget. A day will come when you're happy and can think clearly. And when that happens, you'll still have the same three options that you had before. Forgive, don't forgive, or get revenge. As time goes on, people change, which is why I try to think positively about forgiveness. I like to think that people will improve over time, which helps forgiveness, to me at least, sound like the better option. However, I do disagree with the notion of forgiving and forgetting. While I believe in forgiveness, I do not believe in forgetting the past, because forgetting an event completely happened would be naive. That said, I do believe it's important to treat those you think have wronged you with respect, because after all, a man is judged not by how he treats his peers, but by how he treats his enemies. That is truly how you can judge a man's character. Plato's Republic touches on this subject a bit more abstractly. Socrates uses the argument that there are both good and bad people in every nation. Would you disagree with that statement? Would you disagree that there's maybe good and bad people in America? Would you disagree that there's good and bad people in France? Assuming you agree that there's good and bad people in every nation, Socrates argues that when you fight a war, that means you're fighting both good and bad individuals. Now, why would you harm a good individual? And why would you fight side by side with a bad one? It seems that us humans have a hard time distinguishing who we should be fighting with and against. So why not just treat everybody equally? In my opinion, Socrates is right. Not necessarily because of that argument. I think that that's an interesting way of distinguishing whether or not forgiveness is the correct route. But I do think that if you can make someone that you don't like think that you like them, Imagine how much you can improve people's lives who you do support. Another reason I believe in going this route is because we live in a very dramatic world at the moment, mostly because of social media. People can be two-faced now more easily than ever, talking behind other people's backs and hiding behind a screen. People can publicly shame others constantly and sometimes publicly shame them without even mentioning their own name, so that when you approach them about it, they can deny it. Being a snake doesn't get you anywhere, though. If you're upset with someone, talk to them in person or don't talk to them at all. They're going to do what they're going to do, so be the bigger person and either initiate a conversation or walk away. The jabs on social media or in person can keep coming, but if you're surrounded by half-decent people who believe in you, then you really have nothing to worry about. Wait and hope that your feelings of anger will go away, and they will, and the stress will go away as well. Treat everyone well and share this message, because if everyone treated everyone well, the world would be a much better place. Well, that wraps up today's episode of Shore 2 Sky Learning. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope that you guys found today's content both valuable and interesting. If you like the messages that I had to say, please don't forget about the challenges that I mentioned during this episode too. As a reminder, Make sure that you guys live an above-the-line life by responding to life's stressful situations appropriately. Secondly, realize that you have a story that other people can benefit from hearing, 
So make sure that you at least consider sharing your story on a social media platform of your preference. Thirdly, make sure that you forgive others. And lastly, and most importantly, remember to put yourself first. Like I mentioned earlier, a great way of doing this is by creating anchors in your life that can help keep you grounded. And finally, please make sure to leave feedback for me on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you're listening. Please feel free to comment on the website's articles or contact me directly on the Contact Me page of the Shore2SkyLearning.com website. Once again, the website title is Shore2SkyLearning.com, S-H-O-R-E-T-O-S-K-Y-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com. I'd love to receive messages concerning what kind of content you guys would find useful for me to discuss as well. Please remember to keep it in the realm of business, motivation, health, and finance for young professionals and young adults, as in those in high school or college or in the working world. Make sure to follow me on the Twitter page as well. The Twitter handle is at Shore2Sky, but there's underscores in there, so it's at S-H-O-R-E underscore T-O underscore S-K-Y. So Shore underscore 2 underscore Sky. Looking forward to hearing from you guys, and once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Very much appreciated.